For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Okay, well, this is going well. Take two. Yeah, welcome to BuildWit. <laughs> Everything works like a charm around here. <laughs> Same. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? We're great. Good. We're great. I've just been running run around all day, so it's nice to sit down and be able to podcast for a sec here. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Thanks for having me, guys. Or thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Where Where are you out of? So we're at Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo, North Dakota. So you're a little yeah. ways from Tennessee. Yeah, just a, we're an $89 flight from you guys. That's how they market $89? it. $89? Yeah, 89 bucks. Well, shoot. We need to, we need to, I'll, I'll pay the 89 bucks to get you down here one of these days. Yeah, that'd be a blast. Once it gets cold and shitty up there, come on down. There we go. There we go. I'm in. Do you work through the winter or you, or you can't up there? Are you plow snow uh, or? Yeah, we plow snow. We, we sub on with one of a big outfit out here in Fargo. So we just, you know, just kind of per time stuff. Yeah. So on on the snow work, it'll be a big company that has the contracts and they just pay you yep. hourly for your Correct. time and equipment. Correct. Yep. That's kind of their business model up here. They have like their own bigger loaders, but then they'll contact guys with like skid steers and stuff and give them their own route. And basically they say, this is your route. Take care of it. We'll just sure. let you know when to go out. So yeah, once my, uh, once I have my skid steer back, I'll need to find myself a, a plowing contract. How's that going? Do you have to put a new motor in it or an engine in it? Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know yet. <laughs> I keep telling everybody right now it's at the doctor and I have not, I have not got the prognosis yet. So <laughs> it's coming it's soon. It's you know, the, the, the funny thing is though, if, um, if it does need a new motor, the, the, the thing is the insurance company will pay for it. So yep. I'm not going to be paying for it. It's what insurance is for. And yep. It's just, it is what it is. And then I want to be able to keep the motor because that'll be one hell of a museum piece in our office one day. I was, I was going to say, you got to hang that somewhere. Maybe right outside <laughs> by the new build wet sign. Yeah. Or make it a coffee table at my house or something like that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that, would, that would be good. Very expensive coffee table. Very expensive coffee table. But to the insurance people, not you guys. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. Um, so you, uh, your company is black iron and dirt. Correct. Yep. So the company name is black iron dirt and demolition, black iron dirt and demolition. So, yeah. So one of my good hometown buddies, his name is Matthew. Uh, we were kind of spitballing one day and, you know, we were both at jobs where we were kind of like, mm, you know, we don't really want to do this anymore. What should we do? Um, and then he was like, let's do like a small excavation type landscape thing. Like, okay, what do you want to call it? He's like, well, let's call it Black Iron Dirt. Like, oh, that's, you know, that's a cool name. And he goes, yeah, we'll get black equipment, black, you know, just black it out. His, uh, as you can tell, his favorite color was black. Sure. Um, he ended up uh, moving out to Montana. Um, and I ended up kind of rolling with the um, idea of the Black Iron Dirt side um, and just kind of went from there. Um, yeah, that's that's how the name came about, I guess. So What? uh, uh- I mean, how do you get to a point where you don't really want to work somewhere else and you figure you can just do it on your own? Like what was going on in your past that got you so frustrated that you decided to to do your own thing? So when, I, when we came up with that, kind of a little backstory, I worked at a landscape company here in town. I was like a operations sales slash 
you know, do it all type guy at this landscape company. Um, graduate or I was done with college, uh, after college went there and I just kind of, you know, I, I wasn't very satisfied where I was at. I felt like I wasn't, I didn't really have a purpose at the job. And I was like, I can do a lot of the stuff you guys are doing. Sure. Um, you know, and I saw weaknesses and I said, well, okay, here's how you can capitalize on this. Uh, what can we do better? Um, so I ended up quitting that job. And after I quit, I was kind of like, well, I need to find a job in the meantime. And that's where, you know, we were kind of in discussion of starting our own. We realized, hey, we don't have any money. So we can't really start anything up without any money. Um, so kind of a funny kicker, I started working at a power sports dealership as a salesman. Huh. Um, so, and I still work there today, actually. It's my full-time job. Oh, but, really? Yeah. So, so I sell, I'm their marine uh, salesman there. So we sell like those big tow surf boats so we sell in the peak supremes and supras whoa yeah so that was i mean that was a lot of fun but then like a month later after i started this power ship or power sports dealership position i uh found myself in the caterpillar salesman office and i was signing papers on a 259 skid um so i started that first year again just kind of did some random odds and ends jobs um but yeah i mean that's that's basically how it started. Just kind of saying, I want to continue in the dirt world, you know, continue along that trend. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's basically where it began. Well, but, but your story illustrates something that's been important in my life. And, and I feel like important just in general, when people are starting companies and that's that you, uh, people, they want to try to have this perfect plan before they go quit their job. They're not all stoked about yep. so that there's no risk involved. But that's not mm-hmm. that's not really how it works. I think you need to no. like nine times out of ten, you just need to quit, leave, put yourself in a position where you need to make it work, and then through that you become pretty damn resourceful. Correct, correct. It's just being creative and trying to find different avenues to reach that goal that you want to reach. What did you go to college for? Uh, so I went to college for business. I went to a two year tech actually. Really? Uh, yeah. So I. I just wasn't, I wasn't not a bright kid. It just, school was just not for me. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I went with that. I learned a lot there. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like I used a lot of the information I was given at the place either. Yeah. That was my, so so that's my, that's, that's my next question. How much, how much of school business actually applies to real business? None. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's like a, maybe there's like a 5% where they talk about <laughs> business and there's actual business in the world. But yeah. other than that, like the work doesn't really have any relevance to what is, what it's like in the outside world. No, it, it, business degrees are funny because it's not really about, it has nothing to do with building a business, entrepreneurship. It no. has everything to do with being a cog at a fortune 500 company. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, did you grow up with around equipment? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of my, uh, my dad was actually, he, um, he owned his own company and, you know, he had all sorts of equipment as we were growing up. Um, so I was in tell handlers, skid steers. Um, he built, he's kind of a, he's a real estate developer basically. Oh, cool. Um, so I started, you know, my first job was with him. I was the cleanup boy around cause they built apartments and hotels and I would go around and clean up all the people's trash and, when it was a really long stretch, I would hop in the telehandler or skid steer and, you know, try to scoop up all the, all the plastic bottles or whatever. So I, I had a little experience there. And then I worked at a, a concrete contractor for a while. Um, I was there for six years and I got a lot of time at a skid steer there. So the, when you got a 259 yourself, that wasn't the first time, that wasn't your first rodeo. No, it wasn't the first time in it. It was the first time ever, you know, making the payments. But um, I had some hours behind the old joystick, that's for sure. Which, it, when you're when you're the one making the payments on it, changes the perspective a little bit, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Take, oh yeah, it does. Take care of it a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. You learn where to grease. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You make sure you're hitting all the grease points, not just like ah, I think it's good to go. Exactly. Oh, that side squeaking. We'll just hit that one today. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. the. The funny, the funny thing about what I just, so, so I, I, I had my little accident on the skid steer on a Sunday and that coming Tuesday was when Thompson was supposed to come out and train me on the machine. 
<laughs> we're a little premature on the training. We maybe should have that a little bit sooner. Yeah. Aaron. So, so Monday I called them and I said, Hey guys, we're going to have to push that training off because yeah, hey, uh, this, this gets gears flipped. Yeah. But it was when they were going to come out and show me the features and the grease points and all that jazz. But we, we yeah, we, we've, uh, we've rescheduled that to say the least. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure that's upcoming here soon. Um, why'd you, why'd you go to school? Um, anyway, I mean, I went to school just because it was kind of the normal thing to do. You know, everyone, after you go to high school, you go to college and you know, I'm from a small town. So the people that I feel like if you didn't go to college, they kind of looked at you like, Oh, well, what are you doing? Sure. You, know, you got to go to college. Yeah. And I think, I think everyone, you know, needs to find their own path. But again, I'm not dissing college in any way. I had a lot of fun in college. I think there was a lot of people that I learned um, in that time frame too, that I'll, you know, I'll have those relationships forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's not so much for the school side, you know, I definitely recommend at least, you know, exposing yourself to those people, you know, making connections that way. So that was, that was one positive that I take away from it. I totally agree. I think I, I, I really think like from that perspective, college is a really good thing. If you, if you mm-hmm. do it smart, you don't go take out a bunch of federal loans to go to a private college and you go into it with an open mind and you meet people. There's a ton of value there. Uh, and oh, I've, I've talked about it a lot, but yeah, it's, it's, and then people also don't like a lot of people in this world say, Oh, you, you know, college isn't the only option or this and that. But when you're a kid, it, it kind of is the only option right now. Like there's huge Correct. pressure to go to school and there aren't any other options really presented. So yeah, it's not the only option, but right now for most kids, it, it kind of is the only option. Correct. I mean, there's that social norm to where if you don't go to college, then, you know, oh, this guy's going to be way behind. He'll never, you know, he'll never amount to anything. He'll never, you know, maybe that's a little extreme, but there's definitely that social pressure there. Yeah. Um, okay. So when, how old were you when you bought the 259? Um, so it would have been in 2018. And I am 25 now, so I would have been like 22. Shit. Well, wow. Did you order? Uh, since it's black, black iron. Did you order a black skidster? So I didn't. Uh, my first one was actually yellow, so I had to sticker that bad boy up with a lot of black on it to make sense. Yeah. Now well, my now you have black equipment. Yep. So now we have we'll have three black skids. One is actually um, Dane's we bought our first black skids here from Dane over in Bozeman. No kidding. Yeah. So I got to meet him and that's kind of a funny story on how we actually got that skid. But, um, yeah, he, I messaged him one day and I said, Hey, if you ever looking to sell, I'd like to, I'd like to purchase. And he goes, well, I'm actually selling one. When do you want to come out? I was like, Oh shoot. Um, when are you available? He goes, how about next week? And wow. then next week we, we loaded up and went and went and met Dane and his, and his dad and, Brought us get to your back. So, what was it? Was a two eighty nine? It was a two fifty nine. Two fifty nine. Yeah, because he just yep. picked up that D three two fifty nine. Correct. Yep. Ah, so you got his skid yep. before this little new D three. Wow. Yep. Yep. So that was fun. That was a good connection, and and that's uh, so we're talking about Dane DC excavation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. DC. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. I saw him yep. this summer. I, I stayed at his house. Oh. Awesome. Um, okay. So are you, so you're still full time doing sales or is that really just a summer thing? And in the winter it slows down. So there's obviously it's busy times, right? Um, I am, I mean, technically I'm a full time employee at that company. Um, but then on the black iron side, we've got five guys that are full time on that side. Really? Um, yep. So this year was, you know, this is our kind of our turning point year, uh, to where, a great, you know, opportunity to really take on a lot of work. And, um, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I've got five guys that run around, um, that do the dirt side. And then my day-to-day stuff, I'm selling boats and making schedules and returning emails and making calls really. So those, so, and, and you said it's, it's, they're like wake boats. Yep. Yep. Dude, those, those boats are, they are not cheap. No, they're, I mean, they're, they're quite expensive. I mean, you could almost buy a house for some of those real nice ones. You could buy a you house can, for some of those nice ones. You, you could buy a house. I mean, some of them get up in the 300s. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are there a lot so, of are there a lot of reservoirs and lakes up there? So we border Minnesota and Minnesota is known for the ten thousand lakes. Sure. Um, I was I was, you know, born in Minnesota on the Detroit Lake side. Um, and that's what there is to do in the summer. I mean, you go to the lake and spend the weekend there and you know, go on a go on a boat, surf and go to the sandbars and have fun really. So it's quite yeah. the it's quite the scene. So you guys you, you sell a lot of boats up there then? We sell quite a few. Yeah, we probably do you know, between new and used, we're probably 60 to 70 boats a year. Do you have a boat? We do. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to have one. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You you gain a lot of friends. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, so you're a full-time employee at this dealership, but then you yep. also employ five full-time people. Correct. Yep. How, so I, I, I get being a full-time employee at, uh, you know, when you, when it's only you doing work on the weekends with a skid steer, that's manageable. Yep. How the hell do you yep. manage five full-time people while also having another job? So the biggest thing that I've found is, you know, obviously one, finding good people, but then the scheduling, making sure that um, there's a solid schedule for the week, you know, organization is huge and, you know, I have to be organized and I never used to be. Um, so I'm still learning that aspect of it. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, I've got some really solid dudes that, you know, the biggest thing that I can accredit to them is they don't have the hourly mentality. It's okay. What do I need to get done? Um, what, you know, how long do I have to get it done? Is this rushed? Is, you know, what's the project scope? That type of thing. Um, so the guys that I have really invest themselves in their work, which, you know, as I've been very thankful for. But you, you ha- probably have to have a pretty high degree of trust with them because they're off working. You're, you're not around all the time. Nope. Um, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously there. And the good thing about the sales position is obviously one, all commission based pretty much. So yeah. if I have to run somewhere, I have that flexibility to where, um, you know, I can kind of come and go as I please as long as, you know, I don't have anything going on on the sales side of things. Um, so that has been, you know, one thing that I've really appreciated where the place that I work, they're very flexible. Um, and, you know, they kind of support that men- the hustle mentality, basically, to where sure. as long as, you know, you're getting done what you need to here, we have no problem, you know, making sure that you need to get your stuff done as well. But yeah, obviously yeah. the trust side with my guys, they, I have full trust in them. You know, obviously they all have their work pickups. They've got their work credit cards. So they basically kind of run themselves um, off that schedule. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, at, at what point does it get to be too much? Um, we're still trying to figure that out. Um, you know, when Alex and I originally hopped on the call, that was kind of his first question too is, well, Luke, why don't you just, you know, why aren't you full-time with the dirt side? Um, and I think it's right now, as I kind of explained to him, was I'm my own investor, basically. Exactly. I'm, I like to, I like new things. I've got a big ego, so I like new equipment. Um, and I need, obviously, money to fuel that. But yeah. then I think that helps bring more better people in, you know, and it also helps them take care of the machines. If it's newer, I feel like there's a lot more care given to it than if it's, you know, old and beaten type thing. Um, so as far as, you know, going full-time with one or the other, it's really kind of dependent on where we want to take it. Mm. Um, you know, I'd love to grow the thing as much as we can, but I also want my guys to grow with it. You know, because again, I play I play office manager. I The whole work on, not in your business, I took pretty seriously when I listened. Um, you know, I think you had a podcast on that. And then there's a lot of other people that talk about that as well. Um, but I think as long as we have people that we can trust in the company, then I have no problem trusting them. And then obviously continuing where I'm at and, you know, excuse me, kind of going the way that we're going. But again, so the back to the boat side of things, you know, a lot of the customers that I sell boats to, you know, they're, they own, you know, big municipal companies, they're real estate developers. So we actually do quite a bit of work, um, with the people that I sell boats to, which is kind of fun. Wow. So it's kind of, people say I double dip all the time, but I just say it's using my resources. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. And that's actually, I mean, you probably make pretty good money on the, on the boat side of things. And then I take it at 25 years old, you're living a pretty, pretty modest life. Yeah. I I mean, I try to. Um, Yeah. You you try to. So you can take a lot of that money and, and go invest it in your business. 
And then your Correct. business I doesn't try- have the burden of your salary, which is pretty slick. Cor- Correct. So I try to put, you know, I, I invest in my people, I invest in my equipment, and then I put everything I can basically back into the business. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't have to take anything because I have my other income. That, and, and, and that's what people don't understand. They think when you start a business, you're, you're making a ton of money, but it's, it's actually, it's, it's the opposite. When you start a business, you're, you need to figure out how to make money elsewhere most of the time. Like sure. I, I didn't pay myself for the first two years and I was able Correct. to afford that because I lived very cheaply and then I had mm-hmm. a ton of money saved up. So I was able to Correct. take all that money and pay my, you know, quote unquote, pay myself and invest into the company. And, and if you, like, you just need something to do that because the burden of supporting you is the business can't really do it at first. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Huh. And yeah, I mean, looking back on, you know, again, like I said, this is our third year and this is kind of the year that we've really taken off the first and second or, you know, the first and second year that we were in business. You know, I just, I was kind of a weekend warrior. You know, I would do projects on the weekends, Saturday, Sundays, um, and then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'd go back to my normal job. Um, so again, fortunate enough to where this year we've really kind of exploded. Um, and we're, you know, already booking stuff in the next year. So that's super exciting. Um, uh, and just kind of seeing where it'll go. So yeah, at face value, you'd look at your, your full time job and look at it as, kind of a disadvantage, but actually it's a pretty substantial advantage from like a Correct. financial standpoint. And it's probably good that you're not around all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody likes that overbearing yeah. owner manager that's constantly critiquing. And obviously, you know, my guys take pride in their work, so I trust what they do. Sure. But then if, if they don't have anyone telling them what to do to, or, you know, critiquing their stuff, if I see something, obviously we'll bring it up and talk about it. Um, but, you know, you got to let them do what they do. You know, you got to give them the trust to be able to complete the project. So It's a, it's, I've learned it's such a simple con and it's actually been easy for me to do because I'm young, but everybody, mm-hmm. a, a lot of these older folks, they, they bitch about how people are, they're untrustworthy or they behave like children. And, and the funny thing yeah. is they, people behave like children because they're being treated like children. Correct. But as soon as you say, I, I tr- genuinely trust you and you give someone your trust, they're most of the time going to be trustworthy, even if they haven't been trustworthy in the past because they haven't Correct. been put in that position before. Correct. You know, and it's a, hmm. I think it's kind of a, it's a value thing to where they, if they have the trust instilled in them, then they want to keep that trust. You know, they don't want to break it. Exactly. So I, again, that's a huge advantage and, you know, delegating is a huge thing of, you know, I never used to be good at, but I had to learn how to be good at it. Um, so you know, trying to find different people for different roles. You know, we don't do everything in house. Like we sub out all of our marketing. There's a marketing agency, uh, phaser marketing is their name. That's, you know, helped us tremendously, uh, with all of the stuff that we do. And then obviously hiring accountants, hiring attorneys, um, we outsource all of our payroll. So that obviously takes a lot of burden off too, to where we can focus on what we need to focus on. How'd you, how'd you figure that out? Have you learned a lot of this through your old man or how'd you, how'd you figure that kind of stuff out? No, honestly, I, I've just always heard about it from other people. You know, you try to learn what you can when other people talk and, you know, um, you know, people would always talk about, Oh, well, you know, I don't carry my own payroll anymore. I just hire that out. I'm like, how do you hire that out? Yeah. I, you mean, you're the one, you're the one doing the hiring. How does, how does this work? Um, so it's just basically hearing it through the grapevine. Yeah. That's the, one of the first things I did in business was get rid of bookkeeping and, and yep. outsource bookkeeping because I started doing it on QuickBooks and was like, this is so stupid. And I oh, found yeah. a bookkeeping group in the first few months of business. It, it's very, very affordable and had them start very. handling everything. And I have not had to worry about bookkeeping since. No. And then with having them do it, you know, what's going to be like. Exactly. Instead of, you know, you having to go back or trying to explain something to the accountant. Uh, what was this purchase? And you're like, oh, I don't, I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah. That's it's slick that you're outsourcing all that as a small business because that's yeah. all these all these contractors they try to do everything themselves and it just it, it doesn't make any sense at all. I feel like that's what breaks a lot of that's where you get too overstressed. You know that's where you're over you know you're overdoing the work that you're supposed to be doing. You know yeah. those people are there to help. You might as well use them. I couldn't agree more. I mean that's no, so I, I, we we've spent a lot of money on accounting since day one. We spent a lot of money on legal since day one. We spent a lot of money on admin since day one. 
I'm, I'm a huge believer in developing all that infrastructure because it's people think accountants and lawyers, they just cost money. But in reality, you, you need them. You're a small business with five people. Why do you have a marketing company? Um, so I think marketing is huge. Um, again, the one thing that I knew I did not like when I started business, there was a lot of people that, you know, in this area that have their skid steers and do the little skid steer work. And, you know, you'd always see Facebook ads that would say, um, call for a quote or call for a free estimate. I hated that. Um, I think your marketing slash advertising should almost showcase your work and then people can con or, you know, contact you based on that. Um, so the marketing company that I've been working with, we kind of both agree that the whole marketing side should be a story side. Um, and obviously there's like SEO and everything involved in that. So they completely take that over. Um, and then they run all of my digital ads. They run all of my, uh, sponsored posts, things like that. Um, cause again, I don't know how to do half that stuff. Yeah. Um, that makes two so, of us. I think that's been. You know, I, I can't even put a value on that because I think that's what has helped me grown. Um, you know, as far as like a, here's kind of an example. There's a company here um, in Fargo that's probably one of the biggest school companies around. Um, you know, they saw one of our Instagram posts, basically. Um, and the guy, his name was Eric, he called me and he's like, hey, Luke, this is, you know, so-and-so with uh, this company. Um, I saw your Instagram post and, you know, I'm curious, would you be able to do a job for us? And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I was, I was, you know, I was only speechless at the time. And I was like, absolutely. You know, what can I do? Um, and we actually, it was on his personal residence that he had us do some work for him. And just because he was too busy to where um, he couldn't. So we completed it for him. And, you know, so that was, I think that was a really good connection that we made with him. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, he goes, Luke, I, you know, I appreciate what you did. I'll, you know, if we have anything to sub you out on, I'd love to, you know, stay in, you know, stay in touch with you, make a, you know, kind of develop a relationship. And I was like, absolutely. So I think it's getting your eye or, you know, getting that content in front of the right people yeah. and not so much doing the old call for a quote, that type of thing. Cause I think that's kind of dead. It, it doesn't attract people. I agree. I, um, and, 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 and marketing and clearly I'm extraordinarily biased because that's how I make my money. Yeah. Um, yep. it's, it's like you saying, you know, skid steers are the best. But I, yep. it, it pays, and they are the best. But but it pays for itself really quick. You really just need one job, and it pays for itself. Correct. Like it's not like Correct. selling sneakers where you need to go sell a thousand pair of shoe shoes to make it in the initial investment work. And in construction and building things, you just need one job, and it the the money kind of checks out. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. It's, it's just making it work for you and how is it going to be most efficient and effective? I like how you said that it's, I just, you know, I'm going to let the work speak for itself because that's essentially yeah. what all the old timers do is Correct. they let the work speak for itself by word of mouth, but you're just, right. so you're doing the exact same thing they're doing, but you're just leveraging a new digital way to access a hell of a lot more people than they can access. Exactly. But it's it's not a it's not a novel concept. That's what this industry's done nope. for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. It's it's taking the old ways that worked and just basically putting your own tweak on them, you know, your own little twist. That's it. Yep. It's, that, yeah. It's my my dad always used to say, he goes, Luke, you can't reinvent the wheel. Just make it spin a little bit faster. So I mean, you take that with a grain of salt. But I mean, there's a lot of different ways on how you can take that and what you can do with it. So yeah. Huh. How did you find a marketing group to begin with? Because that's something um, so a lot of smaller contractors ask me. It's a it's a crazy story, actually. So the guy that owns this company, his name is Luke as well. Um, and I graduated uh, high school with him. He's a year older than I am. And that's it. Yep. So and he, obviously, we have each other on Facebook. And, you know, he, he posted something. And I, I remember I messaged him. I said, hey, Luke, you know, can we talk about some website marketing things? He was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it started out with, just a website at first. Um, he did my website and then he kind of grew into, Hey, can we do, you know, can we take on some of your marketing stuff? Can we help you with like your SEO? Can we help you with, um, Google AdWords? That type of thing. I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. So yeah, let's do it. And it just kind of, you know, fell into place that way. Huh. 
So how have you, have you looked into like the return on investment in any of it? Or how do you know that you're spending good money there? So what's really cool about them is they do like an audit for me. You know, they'll come up with, you know, cost per click, cost per impression. And they throw that into like a big PDF file and they'll call me well, probably like every quarter. We'll go over that. Yeah. Um, and then they'll kind of show me the hard numbers on where the money's going, how it's being spent. Was it effective? What can we change? And that type of thing. So they're really good about um, the transparency side and working for you. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And the, the ROI is probably pretty easy to track because it's, you're, you're, it's all paid advertising. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The, and paid advertising works really well with smaller contractors. Bigger contractors, it starts to get a struggle, get to be a struggle because it's like, you're after a hundred million dollar public contract. They don't give a shit about a Facebook ad. Yeah. No, so they it's don't care. tricky to provide ROI. Correct. Huh. Well, has Correct. the marketing helped you on the hiring front too? Um, I think so. You know, a lot of people see our posts and, you know, we'll get a lot of Instagram messages saying, Hey, uh, my name is such and such. I, I came across your post and you got some cool stuff. Are you hiring or, um, you know, basically that's kind of what's always been said, but yeah, I mean, we get a lot of traffic just, asking about what we do and, you know, forever hiring to give them a call and that type of thing. So, Well, it's funny. This is the first time we've spoken over the phone yep. and I don't have, have we met in person? No, we haven't. Nope. So never met you first time speaking on the phone. And when Alex said who you were, I didn't necessarily recognize the name right away, but then he said, yep. black iron, uh, dirt and demolition. I was like, Oh yeah, I know. I know who those guys are. I see them on online all yep. the time. Yep. It's, it's crazy what social media, um, and again, it's talked about all the time, but how it can connect so many different people so fast. Yeah. But it's like, why I, with all the exposure of all the big companies we have these days, why should I know this, this small North Dakota company? Yeah. But, or, no, or, or South Dakota, which Dakota? Yep. We're North Dakota. North Dakota. Yeah. It's this small yeah. company with five people out of North Dakota. There's no reason why I should ever know who you guys are. But yet social media, I know, I know exactly who you are and I can, I can literally right now I can visualize what your logo looks like roughly. I don't know if I could draw it, but it's like, yeah, I, I I know exactly what those guys, I know exactly who those guys are. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I remember, you know, kind of a nostalgia moment, but I remember when you first started like your build with page on Instagram, I think I was like your, I was like 5,000 is when you had 5,000 followers. Um, so kind uh, of a weird. That was way back. That's when I was still working was, construction. That was, yeah, that was way back. But yeah, I remember. I remember coming across your profile, and I was like, "God, this is really cool stuff." Damn. Yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago. Mm-hmm. I was still in Texas laying concrete box culvert at the time. There you go. There you go. But yeah, very very it. small world with the social media side. That's for sure. Um. To your equipment, so you have three yep. black skid steers. Yep. So we got three black skids. Um, we've got um, our E55 with an Kong, and then we just purchased a 315 that'll be getting one of the twisty tilts as well. So we're pretty anxious about that. 315. That's a good size machine. Yeah. Yeah. We um, again this year has been pretty crazy to where we've gotten some really good um, connections with some local contractors. Um, so we're going to start come 2022. Um, we've got a lot of work lined up with them and anxious to kind of expand that way. So, so you'll be a subcontractor. Yep. Yep. Just, I mean, very, very basic excavation stuff, you know, basements, utility lines, things like that. So the funny, the funny thing is in the contracting world too, you, you kind of need everybody. So I feel mm-hmm. like the companies that try to be everybody's best friend work out pretty well. And yeah. instead of trying to kill everybody, but it's, it's, I think it's a lot easier to yeah find those opportunities where a bigger contractor needs help because they always need help. I mean, even, even the biggest companies, I was just on a job the other day and it was a Kiwit job, but they had multiple very large companies doing a lot of the work. I mean, okay. yep. P- Peter Kiwit, they're not exactly a, a pipsqueak and yet they oh. still probably have they have probably the, have thousands of subcontractors every year that that help yep. on their projects. Oh, 100%. And I feel like that's how most contractors are most efficient, you know, yeah. cuz they understand their weaknesses and they'll outsource to where they know that somebody else can do it faster mm-hmm. or better. So mm. I 
that, in my opinion, I think is kind of a, it's a mentality that a lot of people lack. And I'm not saying I'm very good at it, but I know I can't do everything where a lot of people still think that, well, I'm the only guy that can ever do this. Or just because you, we do the same thing, you're my competition and I can't even talk to you. Correct. I think I, I hate that mentality. There's a lot of that in this world. A lot. And, you know, I, I'm sure those people that have that mentality are still successful, but I think if they were to open their doors a little bit more, I think they could bring more, more value to themselves as a whole. And I, I agree. I just, I've, I've started to empathize with them more and more because you're, you're, if you're always bidding against everybody and your competition, you start to get into this very almost like paranoid world where everybody's your competitor. And I can, I can see how that is a, a perilous path to walk. And if I was doing mm-hmm. the same thing, I would probably be like, screw, screw those guys. And like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same camp. Everybody in this world has a pretty big ego yep. and, and you want to be the best and, and this and that. And, and I think ego plays a big part too. Oh, hundred percent it does. And that's, you know, again, your ego can kind of make or break you. I've seen a lot of people kind of go on the same path, but they get too, they get too head high to where they've taken off or, you know, they've bitten off more than they can chew and they realize, um, I can't do this anymore. This is, you know, not at my alley or, you know, any type of instance like that. Um, and that's where they'll end up going under. So mm. did you, um, I take it, did you finance the first 259? I did. Yep. Cat finance came in, came in handy for me. Um, again, when I said I didn't have any money starting this, I was, I've been one that haven't, I, I don't really know what fear is. So I wasn't scared to go in and sign on this. I think it was like 58,000 is what the purchase price was after taxes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had zero money. I have, I was paycheck, paycheck type, but I think my mom actually had to buy my first trailer for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, it was pretty wild. And a lot of people are like, Oh geez, why, you know, why would you take that risk? I'm like, well, I wasn't really scared at the time. Maybe I should have been a little bit more scared. Um, but I also look back and say, well, if I wouldn't have taken, you know, taken that risk, um, I know I wouldn't be where I am today. So, I and I just want to take a moment to shout out Cat Finance because yep. I I have w- went through Ford before and other financing type businesses. Cat Finance yep. is incredible. Oh, it's awesome! Incredible. It's like you had no business buying that machine. I had no business nope. buying my machine, and yet they're like, sure, just yep. take the machine. <laughs> Are you, uh, How about we'll give really? you 0% on top of that as well? Yeah, yeah, 0%. <laughs> Do I need to put anything down? Nah, no, nope. we're, we're good. Just take the machine. You're like, really? Nope. Just take it? Are you kidding me? No, we're good. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. They're like, Doc, you sign this document, you come pick it up. They're like, fantastic. Like just, <laughs> but, like, just from like a financing standpoint, though, I mean, just imagine yep. how many companies they've helped start by by their, I think it's a, it's, it's just a fantastic, they're and they're based in Nashville, which is very exciting. They're right down the road and a bunch yep. of folks from cat finance came to the office the other day, I think. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, but it's just, I, you don't understand the whole financing world until you actually buy equipment. And I didn't, I understood financing, but then I actually bought a machine. I'm like, this is incredible. So yep, it, if it weren't it, for that, you wouldn't have food. had a business. I wouldn't have. Nope. There's no way. There's no way in no way in hell. But I remember, I mean, the reason, again, shout out to Cat. But again, the reason that I went Cat, I wasn't brand specific before this. The company I was at had Bobcats, and that's all I kind of known. Um, but I remember when I was at that company, that landscape company, um, our Cat sales guy was trying to get my uh, the owner um, down to uh, the skid steer plant down in, um, was it North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, Sanford, North yep. Carolina. Yep, and he couldn't make it. Um, so he asked if I would go and Kevin was my sales guy's name and he goes, yeah, Luke, come on out. So they flew us out, um, on the, you know, ours is Butler cat. So they flew us out on the Butler jet. Nice. Oh, yeah. so I was like, I was like, holy cow, this is super cool. Um, but then that's where I also met, uh, the snow company, uh, it's Glacier is their name, uh, Glacier Snow. And that's where I got to make a connection with them to where, who I now sub all my snow work with. Uh. Okay. So yeah, it, the stars, you know, talk about stars aligning type thing. So were they on the same same trip? Yep, same trip. They're they're based out of Fargo here, and you know they were all kind of looking at me like, "Who the hell is this little kid on the on the flight?" But 
I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons I went cat too, because just how, you know, cat, they, you know, took care of the whole, you know, the whole trip and they're very accommodating. And it was just, a, it was just a fun time. So, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and now do you, do you order the skid steers in black? I do. Yep. So we have to pre-order them now. Thanks to COVID. We have a little bit longer of a wait time, but, um, we're all, I mean, I'd like to, I'm a huge guy that likes to match. So I think it's worth the wait for us. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's nice on the skid steers. They just do it right in the factory. Yep. All right. So yeah, yeah that was fun. I, there was, um, when we were down there, um, there was a red one. We, that was like the first colored kit I've ever seen. And it was a wheeled red 262. Oh, and I was like, God, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was like, how do you guys, you know, how do you do that? So they took us into, you know, kind of the paint booth area. And then they have that chart of all the colors yeah. that you can paint your skid gears. And I was like, God, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, this 21 year old, 22 year old, you can out on skid gear colors. Everyone was kind of like, uh, Luke, they're just colors. Yeah. But yeah, it was very cool. No, I, I, um, I, I got excited. I know exactly what chart you're thinking about. It's like the little metal cat logos on the wall. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that I the first I time. I don't, I, and I, I have a picture of it too. I don't know why I, I don't know why I got so excited about it too, but I saw that thing. I was like, I, whenever I order a skits here, I'm getting it a different color because I think that's the coolest yeah. damn thing. Exactly. Hmm. So again, shout out that's off the bat. They know how to sell equipment. That's for sure. Well, you're, you're kind of locked into the whole black equipment thing now. Yeah. There's no going back. Um, unfortunately our 315 is got yellow, which isn't super unfortunate, but the price tag to paint it black is kind of unfortunate. So we're weighing that option right now. Yeah. What is it like? I don't know, maybe 15 grand, 10, 15 grand. Uh, Less than that. We were around like eight to nine. So, okay. Not, not terrible, but at the same time, to make a machine a different color, it seems like a lot. <laughs> it is a lot of money for, for some yeah. paint. Yeah. You could do but, it in the backyard with some rattle cans. Like, that's what we were talking about at the shop this morning. We could get a lot of spray paint and make it look very, very below average, but we'll see if that comes to play. Probably not. No, it's the, the so with um with Randy Blunt of Blunt Contracting, the guy who paints mm-hmm. all his equipment gray, yep. he he has it worked out where at least for their business, it makes financial sense to paint the paint the equipment. Yeah. Well it's a brand recognition thing. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that machine will go black once uh once you can justify the the expense there. It, it, it'll be in it'll be in the works at some point that's for sure you and so. dane i mean you got you got dane just uh across wyoming there and uh, uh, dane is or, dane or, with his new he's right next door D6. yeah he has a yep. he has a black uh he's they got the black d6 xe now yep. he's got what does he have the black think, 308 or 310 yep, 308 yeah Three, I, yeah maybe yeah i don't i don't know what what size it is and then the black skits yours Yep. So he, again, he was kind of the one that inspired me to do it. And he always goes, oh, Luke copied me. I'm like, a hundred percent I did. Yes, I did. And I won't even deny it. Well, you now you just, whoever's bigger can make the claim of whose idea it was. <laughs> and Dane definitely still has that claim, but it's fun to, it's fun to rap a bit about it. Yeah, but you, 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 you can catch him. He, exactly. He spends too much time just making pancakes and shooting guns. Yeah, making TikToks. Make, yeah, making TikToks and now <laughs> now he has two kids instead of one. I mean, he's just yeah, and, and he, he's always traveling to to Arizona or the guy. He just he just lives a, a lavish life over there. I don't even know if he works. Yeah, what the what the heck? <laughs> um, funny story about that is that Matthew that was going to do this with me. He actually went to work for Dane for a while, and then Nick Schreiner was also one of my buddies from hometown. He still works for him. So so, so you're. Your buddy that was gonna go to work for him. So you, it's it's your company outright, even though you guys were yep. going to be partners in it initially. Correct. Yep. Huh. It's probably yep. easier that way. It's typically a little bit simpler when there's just when you can have everything yeah. in one spot. Yeah, it's. I mean, for the decision making standpoint, it's definitely a lot easier. Um, 
but like I tell my guys right now, um, you know, I want, you know, the black iron side to be a company to where, you know, people work into it and they get obviously, you know, rewarded for that. Yeah. Um, so my two, my, the two main guys that I have right now, they will get ownership in it at some point. Um, we're trying to, you know, figure that out obviously with the legal side. Um, but I think that also helps instill, um, blanking on the word that I want. It helps kind of instill, a an ownership side to the work that they're doing as well. So, well, let me, let me know if you want to talk about that because there's, there's quite a few different ways you can do that Yeah, and you don't have to do it through equity. Yeah. I'm sure you know that, but I mean, there's a lot of different like phantom stock type, um, programs and and you can just make it all up where it's like equity, but it's not legally equity. So it still creates that sense of ownership without having to Mm -hmm. deal with all the legal bullshit. Yeah. And I think my side, I think I would want to have them as like a legal equity part. Um, just because not obviously the work side, they'll, you know, that instills that in them, but also, um, the sense of ownership. Um, you know, again, I think they have really good connections, so I want them to believe what they're doing. Um, and I think if they have ownership in what they do, um, obviously it just runs that much smoother. So I've always told them, I said, this isn't my baby. I said, I want to do, you know, a lot of different things, but I love what I do right now. So let's build it up to a spot where it can just kind of run like clockwork. So, so the, the company then isn't really the end all be all for you. Correct. What's, is there a bigger picture or what do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, there's a lot of different things I want to do. You know, I, I see all the opportunity that's out there. It's just going to do it. But also the flip side, you got to have money to make money. So, yeah. Um, I think this is a good start on what we want to achieve, but then, you know, also bring us to different areas of different businesses. If that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. It's a funny, a lot of, um, guys that had construction companies before still have construction companies that they don't run anymore. A lot of them will get into other businesses. And one of them full circle is development. Correct. (laughs) There's a lot of, Correct. I know a lot of developers that also have construction companies or used to be in construction. Yep. Yep. Well, they know the game, you know, they, do. they obviously know the ins and outs. And, um, if they can be profitable by doing it, why not? So I, uh, I admire those guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They know the ins and outs and they're, uh, there's just a little bit more humility there yep. than some other developers I've come across Correct. that have just been developers and just kind of push money around. Um, which yeah. I think is an advantage if you can approach it with a little bit more humility than the other people around you are. So Correct. it seems to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Having a personality and then again, the humility side goes a long ways with, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, but if you if you think that you're better than everybody else and you make sure to tell them, chances are a lot of people won't like you. But if you, you know, kind of keep your head down, do your thing and treat people the way treat, people should be treated, I think it'll take you a lot farther. It's, it's like, as Jocko says, it's simple, but hard in practice. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, everything's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And it's easy to do the right thing until it's really not in your best interest to do the right thing. Correct. And, and it's like the, you know, the quote, like everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Like there's certain situations (laughs) in which you are challenged and you do have to sit there and think like, oof, this is really not in my best interest, but this is what's right. So I need to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and to do that for decades, it's, it's hard. And, and a lot of people yeah, can't it, do it. Oh yeah. No, nope, they can't. But again, that goes to, you know, what is your character like? What's your morals like? You know, how were you brought up and how would, how would you want the situation to play out if you were in the other too? Totally. So totally. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty good gig you got going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, we, we enjoy what we do. We, you know, everyone meets at the shop in the morning. We all kind of, you know, talk for, a, you know, a couple minutes and then we go to work. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm thankful that my guys that do work for me, they understand, um, the side of where I'm coming from. They understand that I work this other job so we can continue to grow on the other side. I know yeah. a lot of people, again, wouldn't really get that. And some people still don't. Um, and that's okay. You know, everyone can have their doubts, but it's, it's worked thus far. So 
it's fun to kind of continue to grow and those people that are like, well, you know, that have said something about it or like, oh, that'll never work. It's fun to kind of see their reactions too. And again, that goes into the ego piece that I need to work on a little bit, but we can have our small victories still. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I, uh, it, it, it is interesting that the whole, you being a boat salesman could, could create, I could see that creating resentment if it's yeah. not understood because yeah, you're just running yeah. around selling boats to people that are pretty well off because you're not buying yep. a boat if you're not. And like, you're not there busting your ass alongside them all day, every day. Right. So if they don't Correct. understand the bigger picture, then I can totally see how that would be frustrating. Yep. Oh yeah. And I, obviously I, those guys that do bust their ass day in and day out, obviously they know that they're appreciated. And, you know, again, that goes back into treating your guys. Well, I try to treat them the best I can. You yeah. know, they all have their pickups that they can take home. They drive freely. Um, and again, you got to pay them well to keep them. So we, uh, we try to keep that, um, as good as we can and, you know, just grow it from there. So pretty neat. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to catch up and finally, I, I'm glad I was finally able to learn about your company. Yeah. I, I apologize about the technical difficulties. It's obviously on my end. So, no, oh, that's good. I mean, 50, yeah. 50 shot, it's either on your end or my end and it would, it wouldn't <laughs> be out of character for it to, to be on my end. No, no worries. I appreciate you putting up with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. What's, uh, how do people find you online? Um, so we're on Instagram, it's just black iron dirt on Instagram. Um, uh, LinkedIn, obviously no one really cares about your LinkedIn, but we're on there. We have Facebook, you know, black iron dirt and demolition on Facebook. Um, and then our website is just black iron dirt.com. So don't, um, don't forget, don't sleep on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's where it's at, man. No, I, uh, that is a huge tool that I've soon, or I realized here that is a tool that I can really use. Um, I can't remember who you had on that did a podcast about it, but that was a phenomenal podcast to listen to. Um, and I learned a lot from that. So it's definitely a tool that I need to kind of hone in a little bit more of. Big time. Yeah. If you're sleeping on LinkedIn, you're, you're, you're missing out. I, yep. Yeah, I'm looking at your Instagram right now. Yeah, you got you have that brand new 315. Mm-hmm. That is a badass looking machine. They did a, you know, Cats Industrial Design Department. They did a really nice job on these zero zero swing machines. They did, they did. I mean, I've seen you know the 335s and the 325s, and they all just they're just a good looking machine. You yeah. can kind of stare at them for a while and not get tired of it. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really want to get either a three fifteen or a three seventeen one of these days. There you go. There you know. go. Try not to tip those over, though. <laughs> yeah, you tip. You, you put that on its roof, and you're gonna be, you're gonna be hurting. Yeah, that one, that one won't feel very good, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a good looking machine. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Sure, I appreciate on. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Alex. Thanks for your time too.